Welcome to What's the Finish, our weekly podcast where we talk to experts and individuals just like you to discuss not only the flavors and finishes of spirits and foods, but also all the flavors life has to offer along with the magnificent finishes they bring. So join our host, David Affariot, as he asks the question, what's the finish? Hello, everybody. Bonjour à tout le monde, à tout et à toutes et à tous. Um, welcome to the podcast, folks, uh, where we discuss food, champagne, and culture. And we really discuss how to be present for life's shared moments and how to elevate those moments and thrive in the next. Uh, as usual, I'm with my co-pilot, Jeff Sissault. Hi, Jeff. Hey, David. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm feeling well today. It's sunny. It's great. And um, it's... Uh, I'm still thinking about some of the champagne we had over the weekend, and uh, I'm ready to uh, I'm ready to kind of step into and talk a little bit about um, my my upcoming trip actually to France. So there's lots on the checklist. Uh, getting is. a itinerary right. And so where, where in France are you going? Let's talk about that real quick. Sure, sure. So the flight takes me from uh, ATL to Charles de Gaulle, and then I will immediately. I, and I can't believe I'm doing this, but I will immediately jump on a train to go to uh, Reims, to the Champagne region. So, nice. you know, skip everything that Paris has for the moment just to get. And I had, I think, the next day, um, you leave in the you leave in the evening of day one. You arrive in the morning, day two, and then on day three, I have my um, ten o'clock in the morning. I'm going to be meeting with um, a couple of wine producers, and we're going to talk about our plans for the year and the process. And the platform that is Avid Vines, um, and uh, and get their uh, get their commitment for the remainder of the year and into next year. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I love it. I love it. You know that actually reminds me of something that you talk about a lot uh, with me, especially. You talk about one farmer, one family um, aspect of the wines, right? So is that how that is? That, is that what's going to happen at the trip? You're going to be talking to one farmer for one with one family, and you go from there. Well, I, I, you're, you're exactly right. And, and I say that a lot and I probably will, like, I've never sat down with the producers, you know, to, to explain this concept to them because it's all about, they give me their product, which I've purchased. I bring it back to the U S on these chilled containers. And then it's, it's, you know, it's, it's our job at Avid Vines to then talk to consumers, talk to the trade about just how special these champagnes are. And, I'll, I will run it by them as to like, this is how I frame, you know, the product you've created, because, you know, this is not a, this is not a, um, it's, I mean, it's always a numbers game, but it's not a quantity. It is how do we build your brand to be, to, to command a higher price because there's so little of it. And what, what is that conversation like? And so one of the most effective things that when I, effective arguments that I that I speak to when I'm at tastings at restaurants or I'm describing these champagnes, I get everyone's instant attention when I say, you know, these champagnes, you, you drink, you buy, you enjoy these champagnes, you share them, you know, in the moments that you want to elevate, mm-hmm. and you wind up celebrating, you wind up supporting a farmer and his and, and their families. I mean, it is, in this case, it's Julien, um, it is one farmer and one family. That's, that's it. That's These awesome. are not, yeah, it's not like a purchased, you know, you're not buying it from a cooperative of multiple farmers and or multiple parcels of land from across different farmers. Right. You support one way of making this wine and one farmer and one family committed to doing it. 
So you said two things in that, in that little dissertation that I want to dive into a little bit before we get into things, but I want to make sure that it's, it's uh, brought to the, to the surface here a little bit. And that is you help them build their brand. One, one thing you said, the other thing is we bring everything over on chilled containers. Right? right. And I think that's a unique aspect of one of the things that you guys do at Avid Vines, right? Um, and, and that is one of the ways that I would imagine you help them build their brand because of that whole process. Talk to, talk to me about that real quick. I think this is with any company too. You've got to understand who the stakeholders are. Um, and, you know, companies have any company. You, 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 if, you, if you take investment from a company, one of your stakeholders are going to be you know, the investors and the board that they've assembled to report about the status of how you're spending, you know, th those funds. Mm -hmm. uh, another, obviously, are your customers. And then a third might be, you know, the distribution, you know, the, your relationships with the wholesalers that might sell your product. And that's no different when that, uh, with Avid. And, and that, in fact, are, I've just described, you know, who our stakeholders are. I've got, Avid has got to be able to talk to, obviously, the producers of champagne, to go to them and say, this is how I'm adding value to a product you've already, you know, created lovingly and, and has an enormous amount of value. How, what do I do? Well, at Avid Vines, we bring it over on these chilled containers at 13 degrees Celsius at 57 degrees Fahrenheit. And it's our commitment to make sure that these wines aren't dulled by the long trip, six to seven weeks, six weeks on the water, one week stuck at port under sweltering heat, you know, that, that I'm telling you, the other mass-produced and mass-marketed champagnes suffer from. It, it's just, that's a fact. That's why it concentrates the wrong things. It can lead to inflammation. It can lead to stomach reaction, and it gives you a headache. But not this stuff, because it just hasn't been bombarded by the heat, the sun. No one's bringing this stuff over, you know, on a, on a plane. It's just too expensive. So it's got to come over on a boat, and it's got to, only 5% is ever put into a chilled container of all that wine wow. coming to the U.S. So, so when you when you say chilled container, literally, does it go from their farm, wherever they make the champagne, onto chilled containers that go on, you know, onto chilled trucks that go onto chilled containers? What is that process? I'm just curious. Yeah. So, um, the wines kind of are are stacked and racked in a, uh, in a on a pallet, and then you know, however many pallets I'm buying, they're put onto a truck, and that truck. Uh, maybe 50% of the time it's, it's, uh, it's refrigerated. Um, but it goes from, it depends on where I'm sending it sometimes. And it depends that on shipping routes, right? So you make a calculation between, okay, it leaves, it leaves, you know, the Champagne region. And sometimes it will go to the port, the French port, um, in Normandy called Havre and out of Havre, it goes to New York and then down to, and that, that's on a chilled container. So to go to, Normandy from Champagne, it's it's not even you do that in a day. Got it. Sometimes um, the the product will go down to Italy, and it will leave out of a port in Italy called uh, oh I you got me I forget the name of it but um, it begins with an L and uh, and it, so it'll leave out of that port in Italy and wherever it goes then the fun part is and sometimes we do this on social media but we'll track that there's maritime websites that you know here's the here's the transponder of the of the boat carrying oh, cool. your product and so we'll just I'll check in on it every day it's like oh okay great it's making going around the horn of Italy and now it's going out the you know wherever it's got to pass yeah. however it's got to pass uh, here it is on its way to New York great now it's stopped in Savannah Georgia okay great um, so it's fun to track it, but, um, 
you know, is it constantly, does it have to be constantly refrigerated is your question? No, but I mean, the, the, the most dangerous part of the logistical of the supply chain is putting it on a, on a container that is not refrigerated while it sits and floats on the water you know, for six weeks. I sure. mean, that is, so if you refrigerate and climate control the environment, then you can be protected from what happens after it lands in the port in the U.S. Maybe it's put into a truck. It gets to a distributor. The distributor takes it to a re- you know a retail store. Some distributors do a good job of keeping refrigerated you know trucks on the road. Sure. Some don't. But you're still going to. I mean, unless you're sitting in Austin, Texas, at 120 degrees you know in the <laughs> summer, and you you know you <laughs> you go watch a baseball game, right? Uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna be able to withstand, you know, an hour, two hours, four hours of you know, kind of moving around. Got it. Cool. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, because I was curious how that works, and and you know, you did a great explanation because you know the other ninety five percent that don't do chilled containers um, are sus- subject to alterations of the body of the of the champagne or the wine, the taste of the champagne or the wine. Right. It's all that right. stuff. I mean, that's why wine doesn't taste as good as when you're there in the vineyard it's not because you're just on vacation although that helps your mental state (laughs) it's not because you're smelling like you know lavender in the air which is carried on by the breeze by nearby you know that's part of it but it's also because you're so close to the source it hasn't been damaged i believe it or not i mean i in another life i wrote an article on wine for texas monthly and (laughs) believe it or not i mean every state in, in the union makes uh some quantities of wine some of them are more famous to be, you know, actually consumable and others are turned into God knows what. Hmm. Uh, but there's Georgia wine and there's Texas wine and Texas wine is is along the 35 I-35 corridor that links Dallas to Austin to San Antonio. You have a large, you know, contingent uh, of of decent Texas wine. And I'm telling you, they're actually good if they're tasted right out of the barrel at the, you know, at the vineyard. Right. But, Try to put them on a shelf in a neighboring state and try to put them through the process of the you know, distribution and they bruise easily and they just start, you know, they, no, they don't, you got to start off with great genes like in California, you know, and in France in order to make sure it can withstand. Like if I bought flowers from Holland, tulips, right? If I put them in the container that I, and didn't refrigerate it, yeah, I opened up the doors after six weeks, these things look like it's going to be a hot mess. Yep. And yet we expect wine to be better. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, it's funny. You know, it's funny you mentioned Austin. Um, quick side story. My wife and I were down there for a wedding a couple of years back, and um, we kind of toured around Austin for a little bit. And then we we happened to see this sign that said there's a winery. And we're like, oh, let's go find it. Well, it was like in the backwoods of Texas. If I tell you, like, we were taking all these back roads and all of a sudden, boom, there's this winery. We're like, wow, that's awesome, right? Um, so, you know, I kind of go up there and just look and see what they have. And I'm like, all right, I'll take one of those. Well, I thought it was, um, you know, I'm used to paying at a winery like that. You know, it's anywhere from $27 to $35 a bottle, maybe $40. Um, you know, the guy goes, that'll be $54. And I'm like, for one bottle? <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, I didn't want to look like the idiot. So I took it. But it was really, my point of that is, it was really good, though. I really oh, enjoyed good. it. That's uh, good. It was, it was good. It was, wor- it, was, it was worth the money. So that was the good news there. So, but yeah, I was surprised. Not in the middle of nowhere, Austin. There was this winery. I love it. No, I love it. So, um, so, the, so, so now, well, let's talk about the other side of that, which is their brand, right? The marketing aspect of it, and what you bring to the to the one farmer, one family. 
So talk a little bit about that for me. Talk about, about why and how Avid does this whole branding of their particular uh, family's uh, champagnes. Yeah, I think that's what people are looking for. They're looking for an authentic product. They're looking for authenticity and they're looking for high quality. Um, and they will pay for an experience that brings them that. And it just becomes then a game of how do you build awareness? You know, I don't, I don't have enough to, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, I've had a little uh, technology. Um, do that again, just so I'll cut that out. Hold on, we're going to cut this out. Let me, let me close all this actually. Let's take a quick second. Okay. All right. That will not happen again. Um, so we were talking about um, the marketing, the brand. Right. Right. So um, I think people are looking for authentic products that are high quality. Um, and it's just a game of raising the awareness. And uh, I, you know, I don't have a budget and I don't have a quantity to mass market, you know, the, this, uh, these champagnes but i just my job is to allocate them to people who are looking for this formula of exceptional experiences with authentic products made by made by people made by people that they can visit and they could see and that they can know you know it's no different than kind of like what whole foods does with local farmers to bring mm -hmm. attention and awareness around hey look these beets actually came from a farm that was you know not across country lines, you know, or, or another part of the world, or even across the country, these came from a place that's 20 miles away. Okay, great. That's fantastic. And people expect the, the ones that I'm pleasing are, are the ones who expect that with every product they, they have. They want to know the, the origin, the provenance, and that's relatively a new phenomenon that's always existed in Europe, but less so in the United States. And that could be a separate episode, Jeff, when I talk <laughs> about like why Americans, Americans are more concerned about, well, what's in the bottle? What are the ingredients? Like with the FDA, the nutrition label, and there's right. a big reason for that, right? Because we want to know what's in it. We want to know how many dyes are used, but we all know that there are no nutrition labels uh, and ingredient labels on wine because wine is regulated not by the FDA, which controls those items that or beverages and food items. It's because the Alcohol and Tobacco Firearms Division of the US Treasury is the one who regulates alcohol and they don't require putting any kind of ingredients or labels on uh, alcoholic beverages. So it becomes a, as it's always been, you know, for centuries, for since, since we started doing this, decades, um, they don't have to tell you what's in it which is why it becomes even more important on the back label of our wines and from Andre Tessier is to make sure that you see the symbol for uh, sustainable wine production and the symbol for organic wine production, because it's those symbols that aren't just handed out or made up. They represent an audit of air, of air, water, and land that the producers must satisfy in order to get that certification. That's also raising awareness and educating. Um, but it comes down to quality. And I got something I want to share with you, actually. Um, I was, uh, there's a there's a crazy bookstore slash tapas or small bite restaurant slash wine bar in Buckhead area of Atlanta, right? Really Tony area. That's kind of a unique combination. <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. It's a bizarre. So they have a wall of like curated books 
it's like a, a, a book lover and a, a wine lover came together and they produced this, this kind of store and they're great. They're great people. It's called the, the, the Lucian in Atlanta, Georgia. If you get a chance to go, I highly recommend it. Um, in spite of the fact that they don't carry uh, the the Andre Tessier champagnes yet, but that that day will come. Regardless, uh, I'm a fan of of the of the approach, and I'm always rooting for it. And the other day, I walked in and I bought this beautiful two volume uh, set coffee table book about champagne. I'm like, well, you know, I can always learn something more. And I open up the book, and one of the first things I do is to say, okay, let's look at the index, right? Because the index, this is how I also attack a cookbook. You know, I love to cook and it's not so much what the table of contents or the chapters reveal as so much as when I look at a cookbook, I go to the index and just behind the index, there's often sections that say, you know, here are special ingredients and where to get them. And I'm like, oh, cool. I want to know about that special ingredient. Sure. Or um, I look at the sauces section and I'll say, okay, great. In the index, I'm going to look up sauces and there's like 10 of them. And okay, great. This is how they make an aioli. This is how they make a pesto. Oh, great. So in the index, for those who love books, um, I went to look up the vineyard to see if this whole tomb about Champagne talks about the location of where Andre Tessier Champagnes are made, which is called uh, a little parcel of Premier Cru designated uh, land from a hamlet called Chigny les Roses. Okay, Chigny les Roses. And in fact, of this little hamlet where the wines are, uh, the vineyards lie, and, and where the wines are come from, ninety-four percent of this is uh, there are some parcels of land that not all of it is dedicated to premier crew or grand crew. Sometimes some hamlets uh, regions produce 75% of their grapes toward these upper echelon categories of champagne. There's champagne, premier crew, and grand crew. And so Chingili Rose produces 94% that go into this category of premier crew and grand crew, which is pretty high among all the region, among all these little towns that are in champagne. But what I was looking at is did you know <laughs> so i just didn't realize this is that the the makers of jay-z's vaunted and expensive ace of spades champagne is made from the same town where andre tessier grapes are grown and made and so that floors me because what that tells me is a first of all Jay-Z's champagne it, it is not that bad because it comes from the same, you know, uh, the same place as Andre Tessier, but you're not spending a thousand dollars, you know, for this bottle as you will either at retail or even God knows how much more in, in, in a club or sure. restaurant. So folks, this becomes quite a bar bargain to drink Andre Tessier champagne here in the U S and pay a fraction, like, like 10% of wow. what, you know, of what that would cost you less than 10%. Well, that, you know, that's what uh, notoriety and marketing will do for you. Right. And, you know, all these famous people are really getting into all this, you know, there's the, all the tequila making, making people now, and now the champagnes and, you know, it's, you know, it, it's, it's taking the marketing aspect. Um, and you talked about, you know, how, how you don't do the mass marketing, you know, you do it more looking for the people that are looking for it. Um, they're kind of doing mass marketing to a certain degree, right. Cause they're bringing awareness. So um, you know, that's what it can do, but it's not always the best way to do it. I think that's a, it's a great point by you. It's like, you know, why, why pay a thousand dollars for something you can, you know, buy for a hundred dollars. I mean, yeah, or, or yeah, or even less, you know, the, the, there's five of these champagnes and they go from, you know, what a retail price would probably be about 65 to 70 in the store all the way up to mm -hmm. 150. Um, but that's the effect that mass marketing short, short circuits, your brain. 
It short circuits your decision making. And all this money's invested to say, hey, 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 don't think about it. I'm just telling you what to buy. And right. people go, well, if I wanna if I wanna impress or if I want to achieve this effect in other people's I've got to buy the this. Yeah. Well, you know, to those who quietly know like where to go, th- this is one of the greatest champagne hacks that you will find. And right. with every sip, you'll enjoy it three times you'll enjoy the taste of it you'll enjoy the impact on your wallet and then you will enjoy it the next day when you wake up with no regrets i love it i love it hey david this has been very insightful um love 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 that we're talking about this stuff i love that we're doing and supporting one farmer and one family um, and that's one of the goals of of what you bring to the table and why why it's so different so uh, thanks for doing that and thanks for bringing that awareness to us i love it so enjoy your trip in france it's gonna be fun yes Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for uh, tuning in for another episode. We'll, we'll, We'll come up with more and I'll have plenty of stories when I come back for sure.